I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O, dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. E.K. Manny. Manny. L. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bonds said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in to read the word from Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment, he gave you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews, he gave you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast, the joint and the journalist, the GOAT, so why ask? Watch out, if watch out. About it, if he naming them, scoopd.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoop B Radio. You're listening to Scoop B Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoop B. Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoop B Radio. Scoop B Radio. In the oh airway, on the plane, on the train, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. 
Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, tune in, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. 2.1 million streams last year. And one of the main reasons why, because we definitely have newsmakers who call in. No different here is my main man, Anthony Donahue, with the Orange and Blue Crew, and the host of 33rd and 7th Podcast, joins me today. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me today on the pod. <laughs> My pleasure, Scoop. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Always enjoy uh, chopping up with my guys. For sure. Um, you um, and I have been the last eight months phone, text, um, just discussing um, your sister uh, who um, was diagnosed uh, with a rare form of brain cancer called geoblastoma. Did I pronounce it correctly? Uh, Gleal, the GL, Gleal Bathroma. How is she doing? Well, that, that's a great question. Um, she is not doing well at all. Um, if you ask about her attitude, her attitude is incredible. I've been with this girl basically every day of her life since she was born, and she's 20 years old now. And her, she's not doing well. Uh, she's not talking much. She's talking a little, like the last two weeks has been a major drop. Um, you know, she's been in the hospital. She was in the hospital basically every day from mid-October to um, three weeks, to March 1st. She was home from March 1st to about three weeks ago, which has been readmitted back at New York State Security, where she's gone for 10 years throughout her, her journey. Uh, the last days has been pretty specific to um, but it's incredible. Like it, it, it makes no sense. I've never seen someone just not complain over everything she's had to deal with. I mean, she had a brain cancer, ages ten to twelve, she had hip surgery year after that. Then everything that came with the first brain cancer, you know, not developing, you know, like that, and you know, losing my hair at eleven years old. It happened again, but this time happened so much worse because it came to And that's how we found out she had the cancer and attitude. And I can go about it. So I wonder if it makes no sense, but it's incredible. She's an amazing, amazing human being. Scooby Red on the line with Anthony Donahue talking, Nick's talking his sister um, and his sister's health. Um, what is something, so when you guys are talking, like you and your sister, is there, is, is she verbal? She's alert, like everything? Because I've seen pictures, I've seen videos, like what's going on there? Yeah, so she's been alert and verbal this entire time, the exception of you know, the first few days after the stroke and stuff like that. But the last, like I said in the last question, the last 10 days has been at quite the drop. So she's extremely alert. I mean, she's not talking much. I mean, she called me annoying last night at the hospital. Um, so, so that means she, she is extremely hurt. Um, she just, like, it, it's a chore for her to talk right now. So she talks. I get along. I walk in. She says hello. She always says, I love you back. You know, like, she'll give you a back and forth conversation for five, mm -hmm. ten minutes. But she's alert. She's alert. You know, she remembers things. 
you know, we, we were talking about um, one. Of, she had a nurse two nights ago that came in an all green outfit, and I said, "Gee, what does that remind you of?" And she actually spoke for a few minutes there, and she, I, when G was going through this cancer for the first time when she was 11 years old, she did her radiation treatment up in Boston. It was right around the time the Knicks played the Celtics in the playoffs in 2011. And Jane, who was fighting radiation, fighting cancer, um, came to game one with me um, of that series at, at TD Bank. And the Knicks lost in the last second on a Ray Allen three-pointer. Jean was so – I can show you some pictures from that day. She was so tired, man. But she came to the game. So long story short, we were staying with a good friend. His name is Brian Grant. He's working at ESPN Radio. And we were staying with him about 30 minutes from CD Bank Garden that night. And we get – so the Knicks lose. It's the first playoff game since 2004. We lose in the last seconds on a round three. We say that I'm fired up to be an understatement, dude. I was so livid. So we get in a cab, and I just have Brian's address. So I said, we're going to this, you know, address in this neighborhood. And the cab driver says, you know, I don't, I don't know where that is. So, I, I, you know, I'm thankful this wasn't caught on camera. Can I curse? Yeah, you can. Sure. So I go, what do you mean you don't know what it is? It's your fucking job. Right? I mean, this is five minutes after Ray Allen. It broke my heart. And he turns around and he says, get the hell out of my cab. And I got my sister with me. But anyway, G repeated that story the other night to the, to the nurse wearing all, 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 all green outfits. <laughs> no, her crazy ass brother. Got us kicked out of the cab. I <laughs> think Celtics playoff game up in Boston while she was going through radiation treatment. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and the next, I think he was an old school cab driver, so he wasn't using like a GPS or something. The next cab we got, by the way, knew exactly where to go and he got us home safe and sound. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I'm curious, your sister and your you and your sister's connection to basketball. When did it start? So, obviously, you know me. It started with me since I was born, basically. But uh, I obviously became a diehard Knicks fan. I got to say that. People always ask me, when did you become a diehard Knicks fan? And I obviously loved the Knicks since I was born. But I would say the 92-93 season when I was eight years old, I became such a diehard Knicks fan. Now, my sister wasn't born until 1999. So I would say her, ah, she doesn't love the Knicks as much as me. And that's, I actually remember over the years, and one time even Mike Green saying her, I, I, she, you, know, you know, if you ever talk to Mike Green or you see him on TV, he's very elegant, funny, charismatic. I remember one time Mike Green said to your sister, my sister, I don't know, are you a biggest fan of your brother? And she was just like, absolutely not. And Mike Green proceeded to say to, gee, man, your brother's a little nuts, isn't he? And, and she was like, yes, of course. But as far as her love for the Knicks, because she does love the Knicks, it mm-hmm. started before she was, um, when she was about one to one and a half years old, and I'll tell you exactly how. Um, she was living upstate with me and my grandparents and my mom, and we the Waltz, and that's all of her stories. Anyway, I'd be watching the Knicks every game, and I'd be cheering on Allen and Spree and Larry, Craig Thomas, Mark Candy. But before a Knicks Heat game on February 20th, 2001, I was waiting for the players in the parking garage. I was 17 years old. Um, and I, I got to meet Alan Houston for the first time. I was 17 years old, and he talked with me for like five minutes, and I, I was in tears. Like I couldn't believe I was talking with Alan Houston. And there was only a few fans there waiting for autographs, so I got to like, send like, some quality 
time with him as a 17-year-old psychotic fan. And I took a picture with Alan. And this was, it was um, not a digital camera, so I didn't know how good the picture was going to turn out. Guy developed a week later such an amazing photo of 17-year-old Anthony with Alan Houston with my braces. And I printed it out in an 8 by 10 and it was on the fridge at my mom's apartment and at my grandparents, but I live with my grandparents. So Gio was pointing to that photo when we watched Alan on TV. And she referred to him as my boy. My boy, that's my boy. So she started to love the Knicks then. And then I, I brought her to her first Knicks game in January of 2003, where she wore an Allen Houston jersey. And then early in the next season, the 03-04 season, it was a Saturday afternoon game versus the Hornets, and we waited outside. This is before I you know, had any quote-unquote connections in basketball. So I was waiting outside for pictures and autographs, and we waited outside, and Alan came out, and she met Alan for the first time. This is why I was doing my personal love. And she was hysterical. She was, you know, she couldn't believe she met Alan. So her love for the Knicks, besides just me loving them, was she had a love for Alan Houston from the picture from the wall. Because I, I'm, you know, she loved me so much, and there's me cheering this guy on, and she'd watch him on TV. Now that he's sitting, getting all those jump shots. Hmm. Yeah, that that sounds about right, man. That and of course, right. also, Scoop, when you're my little sister, you automatically are coming to the games all the time. Now, I didn't go to my first game until I was ten. She went to her first game at three. So, I mean, people at the garden have literally watched her grow up. I mean, so she has, she's been coming to games on the regular, you know, 10, 12 games a year for her since she was about three years old. No, that's real. That's real. Scoopy Radio on the line with Anthony Donahue. What do you think of um, the offseason move with the Knicks so far? Um, what do you know about William Wesley? I mean, of course, as a, as a guy who worked, worked in that, I've worked in basketball for 15 years and a diehard fan, we all know about World Wide West. Do we officially know what he, he does? Maybe not. But we know he's like, you know, a broker of deals and he's connected. What do I think of the move? I, I don't know. I, I can't. Listen, nobody loves the Knicks more than me. And we have seen this before. We've seen them hire a big name that doesn't wear a basketball uniform and thought it was going to change everything, and it did not. So I'm not against it. Am I for a parade in the street? Absolutely not. Here's why. Because I we've been down this road. Now, obviously, getting Pat Riley worked. Got to the finals, you know, were great. And But since, you know, the Van Gundy and Ewing era ended, we've seen this act before. Whether it was, you know, we hired Isaiah Thomas, that was going to change everything. And, you know, Lenny Wilkins and Larry Brown and, the, the list Bill Jackson, the list goes on of hiring people that don't play basketball. We thought we're going to just change the franchise, and none of them did. And I got nothing against any of those guys. Um, so, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. Do I think it's a good move? Sure. Am I sure it's going to change the franchise and you know, we're going to have a parade in the Canyon of Heroes in a few years? I have no idea. Am I, I like, I remember when we got a Brown in 2005, and I had just started, I was really working in basketball and sports now for about nine months, and I got to go to the press conference with Brandon Tierney. And a fan in me, I was crying at the press conference. I mean, it's like, uh, tears in my eyes. You know, 
they had the Welcome Home Larry video, and dude, I I, I, was, I had tears in my eyes. And that went awful. And I'm not comparing West to Larry Brown. I'm just saying we've seen this before. We hire a guy that doesn't play basketball that's supposed to save the franchise. So not against it. And I, I hope it, I hope it goes great. Because who's going to be happier than myself? Nope. So you know, as far as what I know about him, I think we all you know we all hoops well. So he's a he's a big time guy, broker guy, has connections to everybody. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. I remember, uh, you know, I remember the story of World Wide West. I remember even before when he, you know, got Meta World Peace off the floor during the Mouse in the Palace. Yep, yep. I know he's, you know, he's, Stedman Graham is a mentor of his. I know that, um, I know that Michael K. Gilchrist, um, his mom and, and, and West grew up together. I know that, you know, and Michael considers him his godfather or rather his uncle. I know that he's DeWan Wagner's godfather. Uh, he connected with John Calipari. He was an assistant with the Sixers and brought DeWan Wagner to him, his first recruit, you know, when he became head coach in Memphis. Where do you think that World Wide West's influence can help the Knicks bring some validity back to New York? I would say his relationship and being able radio. to connect with players, you know, getting somebody in a room and being able to convince them that, you know, you want to come play for the Knicks because, you know, the culture is much better. And if you win in New York, you're a god forever. And obviously, there's been a big thing around the league over the last, you know, 15, 20 years that the Knicks organization hasn't always been the best culture with a lot of, quote-unquote, dysfunction. So hopefully he's a guy with his relationships can help bring guys in, but also help fix out fix some of that dysfunction that's happened over the last 15, 20 years. That's real. Where do you, where would you like to see the Knicks? Um, when you're used to saying uh, free agency uh, starting now because of the pandemic and because of the restart and the bubble and more, uh, it's likely, you know, that free agency would begin in October. Uh, to that being said, where would you like to see the Knicks improve uh, during a free agency uh, this coming off season? Um, <laughs> everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you look at the Knicks roster, you know, you, there's a lot of young, there's a lot, there's a decent amount of young talent. I think we're set at the center position for the next 10 years. We should be. We can't mess that up. You're set with Mitchell Robinson. RJ Barrett's definitely a stud. How, you know, he's definitely, good. I think, an all-star caliber player, too. You know, the jury's still out on Kevin Knox. I think he has, star potential, but you know, being at every game, watching every game at the Garden close to the court, when I watch Kevin Knox, I see the talent, but boy, oh boy, it seems to me he's sleepwalking out there. Uh, point guard for sure. I mean, the Knicks, I mean, we, got, we had Marbury, you know, Walt Frazier, Mark Jackson for a minute. The point guard position has been such a problem for the Knicks over the years. So I, I we really need, I would love to get a great point guard. It's, it's so tough because we're always trying to, you know, the last 10 years, oh, let's just get guys on one-year deals. And the problem with that group is that when you get guys on one-year deals because you're waiting for this year's, you know, 2022 free agency, guys tend to play more than for themselves when they're on one-year deals. Also, I mean, point guard for sure, man. We, we have to upgrade point position. I think that is, whether it's trade and or a draft pick, but, I mean, 
especially in this league, it's so point guard dominated now, now more than ever. You need a great floor general. And so who that's going to be, I, I, I have no idea. We How does Fred Van Vliet sound? I don't, I mean, Fred Van Vliet, he's more, I like him. I like him. I, I, see a, I feel like he's more off-the-ball player. But I do like, I do like him. I, one thing the Knicks need besides a lot of things is stability. We've had no stability in that tournament, and that would be why we've only made the playoffs four times total. That would be why we've only been over 500 at the end of the year three times in the last 19 years. This franchise has had no stability. Now, not everybody's going to be Greg Popovich and, you know, start head, head coach in, you know, 1997 and still be the head coach. That's where, or have a run like the Jerry Sloan did in Utah when he was head coach for a day. I understand that's not always going to happen. But we need to get guys in here that are going to go to last. And you're never going to win. You're never going to be successful if you're having a new coach, a new GM every few years. You're just not. And yes, change is part of sports. Maybe now more than ever. But boy, oh boy, you got, we need stability. And it definitely starts at the top. So, you know, with Leon Rose, World Wide West, whoever the next coach is, they got to be here for a long time, man. Again, not saying I expect a Greg Popovich type run, but we need stability. Stability eventually you will get good. Because changing every two years, it's, it's not going to work. And it showed it's not going to work. What's next for you? And that's a great question. Um, I have some things that were on the table um, that I hope are still on the table back in you know February and March. Uh, but obviously the world kind of ended for a little while. It's still kind of strange. And then obviously I've, I've been dealing with it in the situation with my sister. So when you're getting, when you know, and for those that don't know, she's not just my sister. I raised her. You know what I'm saying? Like her dad left her when she was one. Our mother, you know, not just hasn't been with it. So she's losing me. So the last eight, nine months, you know, I still did my orange and blue crew events and stuff, but it was, no, everything else, everything else right now is secondary in my life, and that's including right now. So, as far as what's next, uh, I can't really tell. My, my focus is right now is, you know, taking care of her and making sure she's good, making sure she's comfortable before I can really worry about the next move in my career. You know, I, I know I'm solidified in the game. I've got way more to go. You know, I'm not no top dog or anything, but I got a lot more to go. But right now, my focus is with her. Steve Mills, Allen Houston, um, Carmelo Anthony have been some of the Knicks well-wishers or people connected to the Knicks. Who are some of the other people within the Knicks who have reached out to her during this process? Uh, John Starks. Uh, actually, we had a nice big basket of fruit and some chocolates last night at the hospital from Larry Johnson. Uh, that, was, that was very nice. We really enjoyed that, especially the uh, chocolate-covered bananas, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, Scott Perry. Um, you know, Mike Breen, Walt Frazier, I mean, you know, all the guys, they've all been so supportive and they've all made donations to the cause. Also a big shout out to Karan Butler, who, who's been a huge supporter. It wasn't a Nick, should have been a Nick in 2002. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Karan has been great. So a lot of the basketball community, like I said, so he's a Nick community, but a lot of the basketball community has been uh, incredible. Like we had to go fund me, and you know, there's you know, you see donations from a lot of different media personalities, obviously, including yourself. So, uh, so it, it's been absolutely incredible. Now, I, 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 I think I tweeted this once, like a few days after she was diagnosed. And I, I got a phone call from Steve Mills, 
So that's you know, that, that definitely meant a, meant a lot for me. And you know, the organization has always been great. You know, she catered, she was lucky enough to come to two games this season. And, you know, they really rolled out the red carpet for her to make sure she was good every second of, the, of those games at the Garden. That is real. Sir, um, we are praying for you, hoping that um, things do turn around. And uh, you know me. You know I'm going to call away if you need me. Thank you, my brother. And that's all we get. We're just taking it minute by minute, man. And, you know, we, we need a miracle, but nobody's giving up. And I know she's not giving up. You know what I'm saying? She, she's not giving up. And that's how you guys be. That's all you can hope for. And here's the good news. You are off the hot seat. What's that? You are off the hot seat. Oh, I don't, listen, I could be on the hot seat for 24 hours. I'm, I'm good, man. But it's uh, nice to join you as always. I love chatting with you. And, you know, we'll see how the World Wide West Leon Rose era goes, you know? Yes, sir. You know, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's a lot, a lot of mystery, but hey, at some point, man, something's got to work, right? Just by accident, right? Something has to work. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> Even if it's by accident. <laughs> this is okay, true. Right, so at Scoop some point, I mean, literally, we've been horrible for 19 years. It's, it's actually rather impressive. I personally think the Knicks have been cursed ever since Patrick Ewing uh, was let was traded. Oh, of course. And ironically, we were actually good the next year. The next year, we won forty eight games without Patrick. So you know, yeah, that we did lose in the first round though. And yeah. That was the first. So actually, interesting. Not really a story. So my whole life up until the age of seventeen, the Knicks were good. I was never a championship. We were mm-hmm. always great. I want to share a quick story. I was at a Knicks-Nets game, and I'm crazy. I think the date was December 27, 1999. Okay? And at the time, the Nets were like, I mean, you probably, you remember this team with Stephon Marbury, James Fike, Keith Van Horn. They weren't good at all. And mm-hmm. so this particular game, um, Marbury lit us up, bro, and the Nets won by like 20 points. And the, the Nets fans that were, and at the time, the Nets record must have been like, Six and twenty, something like that. It was hard. It was still horrible. Like game was the beginning of December twenty seventh, nineteen ninety nine. So the next fans that were in Continental, I was at that game that night. I was sixteen years old. Were going crazy, and again, their record is five and twenty, whatever the case, whatever it was. And I remember thinking to myself because at the time in my life, all I experienced was every nickname mattering, whether it's you're a few games out of the, the three seed or you're a few games out of the division for the number one spot in the division. Every game mattered my entire life since I was eight years old. And I remember saying to myself, leaving that game, I said, man, give the Nets fans credit this night because they're already out of the playoff race at the end of December, and they were making a lot of noise. I never experienced having to root for a team by January 1st with 20 games under 500. Mm-hmm. Well, sure enough, two years later, it's been my entire adult life with the exception of a few years early in the Carmelo era. Hmm. Well, I want to add something for those who are still listening. You mentioned that game on December 27th, 1999. And I, I believe it was de- December 27th. You're right. Excuse me. 1999. This was the Mirsad Turkin era of the Knicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't play. Mirs- remember Mirsad Turkin? Yeah, the Knicks caught him around that time. He it says he was on he he played two minutes that game. 
to the Knicks. Yeah, he didn't score. Yes. He had one rebound. Wait, Soup, was I right about the date? You were. Oh, I'm, I need help. I, I, need, I need help. <laughs> yeah, Mershad Sirkan was cut around early January, I believe. So that's, right. that's how you know how bad that game was, if Mershad Sirkan got in the game. Yeah, everybody scored on that roster except Turkan. He did have one rebound, but Ewing had nine points in 34 minutes, but he had 16 rebounds. Sprewell had eight points, six rebounds, three assists. Because this was, I think, early when Sprewell returned to the Knicks, um, when the Knicks got him back. Larry Johnson, 11 points, nine rebounds. Uh, Houston had 19 points in that game. Chris Childs had yeah, 11. It was a horrible game. We, it was a, just a horrible game. And like I said, I just remember the Nets fans being so into it. And the Nets' record at the time was absolutely horrendous. I think John, Calipari. What's that? No, go ahead. Calipari, what? I think Calipari either just got fired or was about to get fired. Uh, it was my recollection that John Calipari was fired around Easter time. Um, of that season? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I remember going to a Knicks Nets game that same year, three weeks earlier at Continental, and the Knicks won that game. And I remember just a lot of fans yelling, complaining about Calipari that game. Uh, I think he was a coach. I mean, maybe he was fired the year before. So I think he started that year, 99-2000. But I remember um, that game in Knicks City and a lot of Nets. I remember specifically that game. This is about December 4th, December 5th, 1999. The Knicks won, and the Meadowlands was sold out. And in that game, I remember everybody was yelling, want to be Knicks. Seth from the crowd. And he was wow. a Nick. Everyone was like, you want to be Nick, want to be Nick. And that was actually a close game. Uh, Charlie Ward in the big three down the stretch. And the Knicks ended up going to the conference finals that year and losing to the Pacers in six. And that was the last real run the Knicks had. I mean, got to the second round in 2013. But that team was a great team. They got to the conference finals, lost to the Pacers. And they were battling a lot of injuries. The Spreewell broke his foot. Allen Houston messed up his ankle. Patrick Ewing was just worn down. Canby had a minor injury, so that, that eventually caught up to them. They got to the top finals of the pitchers in the 2000 playoffs. That's crazy. And by the way, um, Calipari was fired March 16th, 1999, after the Nets had started 3-17. and Oh, so he was fired during the lockout season. Yeah. So who was the coach of the, so the Nets in the 99-2000 season? I know the next year was Byron Scott in 2001. So when Calipari got fired, Don Casey was the interim head coach. Okay. Calipari was originally hired after he replaced Butch Beard. Right, and Calipari had that team with Cassell, Kendall Gill, that lost to the Bulls in the first round of 98. Yeah, the last dance Bulls are Jason Williams, Sherman Douglas, Ronnie Sykley, all those guys. So who was the next head coach 99-2000? You got me on Google right now because I'm... I'm yeah, I, I, I figured you're in front of the computer. That's why I asked. You're looking this up, so... Um, 99-2000 season. That would be... Don Casey. It was Don. Okay, then Byron Scott took over the next year. And yeah. eventually... Was there for four or five years until Florence Frank took over. 
Yeah, it was um, 99-2000 season. Don Casey was the head. The following season, Casey was fired. Scott Burrell was released, and Jason Williams, who missed the entire season with a leg injury, retired. Kendall Gill scored his 10,000 career point. Stefan dished out his 2,000th assist. So, yeah, um, he was the head coach. Interesting stuff. Yeah, that was uh, – and, again, that, that's been my life for the last 19 years is being at games in late December, January, February, March, and April, where the team is 20, 30 games over 500. Man, I'm not going to lie. If it's a game in the middle of March and we're 30 games over 500, under 500, you know, it's hard to cheer at those games. Like, I'll be there. You know, but like it's hard to like get hyped up for you know winning a close game when you're you know twenty and fifty. It's really hard. Yeah, but hopefully one day it will turn around. Hopefully, that's it, brother. That's it. Yeah, Don Casey was a coach of the Nets for a season and a half, so he was the okay. coach the ninety nine two thousand season. So he replaced Calipari. The next season, he was the head coach. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I went to uh, both Knicks Nets games that year at, at the Meadowlands. They they were both in December, actually. One was so Saturday got, afternoon, and one was that December twenty seventh game. You get cheap tickets back in the day at the Meadowlands. Cheaper tickets and uh, good access. Oh yeah, tickets. we 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 got tickets for you know we were in the upper deck for both those games. They were I don't see more than twenty thirty dollars to get them to get in. Yes, sir. But you did have to deal with that parking lot after the game. That was not fun. A zoo. <laughs> so, actually, at the December 27th game, actually, I was wearing a white, authentic Knicks free-roller jersey. And someone mm-hmm. that worked for the Nets came up to me and they said, can we borrow your jersey for an on-court contest? Wow. And it was with the old Sly mascot, and they borrowed mm-hmm. my jersey, and they gave me two courtside tickets for a game later that year First, the Hornets. I believe it was a Saturday night. I ended up never going, and tickets never got used. So they gave me two courtside tickets for a Knicks Hornets game later that season to, to borrow my jersey for like an on-court contest with like Sly, the Nets mascot, and I don't remember how the contest was. They used my jersey for it, and of course they gave it back later in the game. They came and found me the seats, and I never went to that Knicks that Nets Hornets game. I probably didn't miss much, but. They didn't give me two courtside tickets for it. You didn't go to a Nets Hornets game where you could have sat courtside? You're crazy. I don't know if it was the first row, but it was definitely the first five, ten rows. Absolutely. That's kind of dope. I mean, I was living three hours away at the time, so I don't know if I would go three hours for a, a net a, for a game that the Knicks were not playing. That makes sense. <laughs> but I will say, you mentioned cheap tickets. I did go to a couple of Nets games growing up where we got to get tickets like in the first 10, 15 rows mm-hmm. just to watch because at the time every Nick game I ever went to was in the top. So I went to like a Nets Bucks game, a Nets Heat game, a Nets Pistons game during my childhood just to watch NBA basketball full stuff. I saw I saw Grant Hill get a triple double live at a Nets Pistons game during the ninety six, ninety seven season on a Saturday afternoon. I mean we I had tickets I mean I was in eighth grade, my uncle took me but we must have tickets like 12 rows from the court. And it was just, and yeah, but the arena was half empty. Not the arena being half empty, watching Grant Hill in his prime on a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
So I would go to some Nets games actually as a kid just to experience NBA basketball close up. Because when I was going to the Garden, trust me, I was in the second to second or third to last row. <laughs> you sit in, in heaven. Exactly. But listen, when you're at the Garden, it don't matter where you are. If you in there, there's nothing like it, especially back then. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Brother, thank you for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me as always, my man. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.